Disclaimer time. This is where I tell everyone to lighten up. It's just a podcast. Trading is like that roller coaster at the amusement park. Thrilling, unpredictable, and potentially stomach churning. What works for one person might leave another clutching their hat in the wind. Our hosts and guests, they're awesome, knowledgeable, full of insights, but we're not financial advisors. So don't rush to make any investment decisions based solely on our banter. Always consult with professional or do your own research. Plus, let's face it, we'd like to have fun, laugh, enjoy the trading ride together. It's all in the name of good podcasting fun. So remember, take it easy, don't bet the farm, and keep your seatbelts on at all times. Thank you for listening. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the China Shop, the home of the band of traders. I am your host, Kyle, and returning today is one of my favorite guests from 2023, Retail Capital. If you'd like to learn more about retail, subscribe to his Substack, or you can check out his new podcast, Trade with Retail, on Spotify and Apple and Amazon Music, you said? Yes. Uh, and then last but not least, please feel free to reach out with your suggestions, corrections, or questions for future guests. You can do that via email at bandoftraderspodcast at gmail.com. Or you can join our free Discord server, where a bunch of amazing people gather to share our struggles and lessons learned with other like-minded market aficionados. All those links will be in the episode description, so you can peruse them at your convenience. And now that we got the promotional stuff out of the way, let's catch up with today's guest. How is it going retail? What have you been up to since the last time we chatted? Hey, Kyle. Hey, everyone. <laughs> um, well, first, I'm still alive, which is quite good, you know? Was there been, uh... concern? <laughs> Was, <laughs> I don't was know. anybody worried? I know you went dark for a little bit there in 23, but <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, yeah. But uh, no, it's all good. You know, it's been a, it's been a good year. I think we talked in January or February, February last year, something like. Was this. it was it that long ago? So it's been almost a year now. God damn. Yeah, it's. I think it's been a year, like uh, you know, a few days from now, but yeah, one year. And uh, I've been doing the road trip in America. I've been mm-hmm. visiting like 12, like 11 or 12 states. And uh, of course, I've, I'm still trading full time, which is a victory in itself as well. And, <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, last year was absolutely crazy. You know, mm-hmm. it was like one of the craziest year in the in the market. So I'm really happy about that. And now I'm back full time in, uh, in America because after the road trip, I went to France for five months. And since mid of December, uh, back to America full time, which is really good for trading and being able to do the whole RTH session. Yes, yeah. I, although I don't know what what time would the RTH be over in France? Well, I would. I wake up very early, so I wake up at like five a.m. Mm-hmm. And so, in in France, the London market would open at nine a.m. So I would do nine a.m. to three thirty, and three thirty p.m. is when New York opens until. 10 p.m. And after mm. that, you need to do the daily report card and maybe review some videos of the trading day. And I have the Substack as well. So it's like all of this was kind of very long day and not a lot of sleep some, sometimes. There's something nice, though, about starting your trading day at 3.30 if you just wanted to trade RTH, though. I, I kind of see the appeal to that. <laughs> yeah, that, I, I can't do it. Like If I'm at home, which I am most of the time when I'm not traveling, mm. Then I just want to be in front of the screens and and so I I can't just do like three thirty p.m. to right to like ten p.m. Um, but the London session was really good. I really enjoyed it. And yep. yeah, I'm still waking up now early, but I'm trying not to trade it too much. More go at the gym and stuff like this, which is something new since uh, since we talked last time. I'm starting getting at the gym last month as oh. well. 
getting more healthy. <laughs> I stopped smoking, stopped all the sweets and stuff like this, you know, very oh, focused wow. for, for 24. So, yeah. Oh, okay. Well, there's a lot to dive into there, but let's uh, let's go back to the road trip first. I want to hear about your trip along the States. Tell me where you, uh, where was your favorite place that you got to visit? Oh, that was uh, Pigeon Forge in the Smoky Mountains. Oh, God, so, Smoky Mountains are beautiful. Oh, it's amazing. First of all, it was so cheap. Like, mm-hmm. I think I, I rented, like, a massive house in the in the tree with, like, oh, like three a tree or four house? bedrooms. Yeah, but it's, like, it feels like a real house. Because in right. France, we have tree house, but they are very small. You don't even have electricity. But America, well, that's typically what the kids have in America is the same thing. Like, that's yeah. normally what you think of when you think of a tree house. It's where you go to play in your fourth when you're 11. <laughs> but here, we had, like, three bedrooms, electricity, jacuzzi and Jeez. all of that and that was amazing so this whole place was perfect and th- there was a small town like 20 minutes drive away which was pigeon forge mm-hmm. which is for tourists i guess but since i'm a tourist i love uh, it yeah. yeah why not right a lot of activities <laughs> and stuff like this so it was very nice like we georgia was really nice as well um, yeah um, i've liked my time in georgia i went to Let's see. I've flown in and out of Atlanta more than a few times, and then there's a sub base in Kings, Kings Bay. Is it? I'm trying to think of down on the Gulf Coast, uh, down there. But the I'm SSBN's really bad with names. Out of... Yeah, I'm not very good with them anymore either. <laughs> but <laughs> Atlanta, yeah, Atlanta. We went there for like two or three nights, and that's you didn't when get it was... shot at. Did you? Yeah, like I really didn't <laughs> like the city, but yeah, the city's kind of terrifying. Yeah, like we had like a small argument with my wife and she was like, okay, like I'm going out. So she she went out of the the hotel room. She took the elevator and she saw Adam Sandler. What? And apparently there, there are like a lot of like stars, yeah. like uh, famous people around there. And she, she, saw, she saw him. And so that's the only thing I know about Atlanta, like the fun fact about that city wow. we visited. <laughs> that's crazy uh, adam sandler used to show up in tucson all the time and i i can't i never really knew why and i think it has to do with i think he had a home out there or something uh yeah. he must have learned about arizona from uh david spade who grew up in casa Grande. <laughs> but yeah there's always someone always had an adam sandler sighting in tucson when i was growing <laughs> up <laughs> so you went back okay so you did the road trip you, you yeah. said you hit like 12 of the 50 states, which is a pretty good chunk to get off in one in yeah. one go. Uh, and then you did five months in France. Were you like relocating back to France and then just decided no. to come back to America? Or was this just a really long trip? That was a long trip. Like at first, we were just supposed to go for like just a few weeks mm-hmm. because I haven't seen my friends in ages. Oh, God. And um, they all stayed in France mostly. Mm-hmm. So um, I went there just to see them and introduce them to uh, my wife to them as well since they they never met before because i'm not going back to france very often it was a few years since i I went there and it was nice it was the summer we had a nice place and so we extended like a first time a second time and then then it was december and we're like oh damn like let's let's go back to america (laughs) because yeah my wife is born in december so she wanted to celebrate with with the family here your wife's American? Yeah. Okay. How did she like it? She loved it. I mean, uh, I don't I guess you have a lot of American listening to the podcast, but 
yeah. food in America is uh, is really bad. You guys, if you move, <laughs> if, if you live in France, <laughs> you don't have food in America. You know, like if you go to France, we go shopping at the market at the farmers market every mm-hmm. single day. Yeah. So we yep. and it's like all like super good natural product, and it's not more expensive. Maybe slightly, but it's not like crazy more expensive than in America. Um, yeah, and that's the so, biggest problem in America. That's why it makes it so tough to do. That is just so much, so much more expensive to buy the, you know, the non-GMO or the the no yeah. pesticide stuff. I'm sh- sure we're paying the price with <laughs> something other than money, but <laughs> <laughs> I guess we'll find out here in a few years. But yeah, no, it's. Uh... You know, main, that that's the only thing I prefer in France than in America. Otherwise, mm-hmm. everything else I love in America, even the weird stuff like you got the movie theater, and mm-hmm. you see a no gun sign, like <laughs> like you're not allowed to carry a gun here. And like, of course, it's a movie theater, but like right. I guess for some people it's not obvious. So yeah, I'm really Let's, glad to be back here. Have you? Did you? Uh, you didn't go through like Oklahoma or any of the Midwest states, did you? No, we stayed Texas on the east uh, east coast, yeah, mostly. Okay, so you haven't seen the the like when you go to a gas station and it'll have a no concealed carry sign, but they put it super low, like where <laughs> nobody can actually see it. They do that because the store policy is they don't want open carry in there, but the owners they don't care. <laughs> oh <laughs> the person who actually works there, they'll put the sign low to where nobody can read it, so that way they can argue. Oh, I didn't notice that. That's crazy. Yeah, America's its own. Uh, it's an interesting animal, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, but I love it. It's really good here. I do too. I do too, but I don't have enough to compare it to. I need to take a trip to France and spend five months there like you did. <laughs> well, most people will be like angry and in a hurry all the time. You guys, oh, yeah. American people are very nice, you know? Are very, we? very open. Yeah, yeah. Or maybe yeah. It's, the grass is always greener outside, but I feel like, and I've been to America so many times, like... Mm-hmm. always the same feeling you know i feel happy and at home here. i think it's because americans love a french accent they probably just like you <laughs> <laughs> if you talk like me you wouldn't be having the same experience <laughs> <laughs> well let's uh let's talk about the podcast we we're kind of chatting a little bit before i hit the record button here but kind of walk me through like the uh what was the idea behind it or what were you hoping to what's your what's your goals with it yeah sure so for the podcast um I had on my bucket list to do a road trip, but also to start a YouTube channel or a podcast at some point. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to show my face, so I opted for the for the podcast. And especially because I've made friends with some people on Twitter over the last few years, and one of them became kind of a, a really good friend. Nice. And we, I'm trying to help him and give him some tips in a structured way so he can mm-hmm. make progress in his trading. And we were supposed to meet for like a few a few weeks, and because of like the Christmas Christmas break and then New Year's Eve, like we couldn't meet. So I was like, okay, I'm gonna record something. I'm gonna try to do like ten minute episodes. Each episode is on a specific topic, so it could be uh, risk management, how to create a framework, how to review your trading day, as well as some personal stories, like the the episode where I share. Oh, I lost uh, eighty thousand dollar in, yeah, in that, one. That's day. next on my list here. Don't worry. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the idea was, you know, just put some uh, educational content for people who want to get started in their trading or have a, a new fresh start. Because I feel 
very fortunate with my situation now. I've been mm -hmm. trading full time for two years now, and um, you know, you never know how, how long it's gonna last. Right. And so, yeah, I was just I just wanted to do it and and put something there on top of my Substack to to give back to the community. What do you think is like, cause you, you've been doing the Substack for years and I'm sure a lot of this information is in the Substack. So what's the difference between the audio version and the Substack then? Yeah. So the Substack, it's my third year doing it mm -hmm. and it grew a lot last year, but the first year I didn't have as much people reading it. And so I have a lot, I have like 160 articles on the Substack and each, each of them takes me on average like three hours to write. So I, I spent a lot of time in, in there. But people who joined later, they're not going back to read the old articles. You yeah, know, they I don't do that. the effort. So yeah. it's just like, okay, well, actually I have a lot of content that I can reuse for the podcast. And also on the podcast, I feel like I'm kind of closer to my audience and I can mm -hmm. share some some more stuff like the, you know, the big loss. Personal and, stories uh, are huge, I think, in storytelling. It really helps drive the lessons home because now suddenly you're getting to hear somebody who's actually experienced it. Like there's no doubts in your mind anymore when they're sharing those stories. Yeah, exactly. And also it's kind of like a therapy session, you know, when I, when oh. I talk to the microphone, it's like saying out loud, like this story again, like it helped me. Because I never talk about it. Like I talked about it to you last year, mm -hmm. but other than that, I never do it out loud. It's in my head almost every day, but otherwise, no, you know, it's good to get it out. Okay. Well, since you're already touching on my topics that I've already laid out here, might as well uh, go ahead and ask my questions here. So uh, the one that you just referenced, that's episode three, the day you lost $80,000. Uh, I listened to that just recently and I was surprised by two things. Uh, first was... I could still hear the pain in your voice and relieve, reliving that moment. Like you could tell that the, the wounds were still fresh. Uh, the second thing, which kind of ties in with what you mentioned there was that you could also hear the relief when you finished telling the story. It was, it was almost like it was the first time you really told anybody like the full details of what actually happened. Is that the case? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, of course my wife, is aware and was aware well, of I'd that. hope so <laughs> on, that, on that same day <laughs> yeah yes <laughs> and yeah I mean it was it just feels so good to get it out because as I said like the date happened so I blacked out completely and when I kind of woke up I was at my screen and I had like seven something hundred dollars on my God, trading man. account and I just like collapsed on the floor and started crying and then my wife came downstairs and I told her and yeah, basically I had not a lot of money left, you know? And was it hard to tell her? Cause like, I no. can see how a lot of people would try to want to hide that, especially no, because I, this was, we should probably set the stage a little bit more. The day this happened was also the day like you had taken the weekend off and were planning on actually like quitting your job the next morning. Yeah. So the weekend before I took her to New York and we celebrated and I wanted to tell her, hey, I've got $100,000. I can quit my job and, and go full-time trading, which is the amount that we agreed for me to give it a shot. Mm -hmm. And we had like one of the most amazing weekend ever. But then when I came mm -hmm. back from that weekend, I started trading again. 
instead of waiting for the withdraw to proceed right. and if you don't have exactly the the good amount to the to the cent the withdrawal yep. would not proceed and of course i had a losing trade and then add more and more and i kept adding to my trade and and then i i lost everything in uh, on that day i'm pretty sure i blown a few poker accounts back when i used to trade bovada with that same thing they delay the withdrawal like you put it in you gotta wait a week so now i can't play any more games until <laughs> this withdrawal happens and then you ended up doing that going below your balance and then you lose the withdrawal and then you lose everything else that's in the account <laughs> because you're pissed off at what just happened oh yeah um i do want to ask you though is like it, it seems like this moment could have been like a huge catalyst for helping you like really get your your stuff together like to, i guess to really focus in on like this it's a wake-up call let's let's put it that way right you had this amazing two weeks you ran it up and then you just gave it all back like do you think you'd be where you are right now if you didn't experience that the pain of that loss well first thing is that my first reaction was i quit trading mm -hmm. that's the first time where i really meant it i was like yeah like all the time before the last like eight years or something like that before that i was like i was using like you know ten thousand on an account that i would have grown mm -hmm. from one thousand but i would be like well i don't care you know it's painful for one day but then the next day i'm like i'm not gonna quit this shit anyway so right you know that's why. right but right. this time i was like oh i quit like there's no way and i told her and i was crying when i said that and and she's the one who say like take a week off and you come back to trading next week wow and she said that i was like okay that's that's the one you know that's yeah <laughs> man that's uh that's crazy but to answer your question yeah i think that was turning point because mm -hmm. since then my risk management has improved a lot take today as an example so today is um the, the january 8th, 8th. Yeah. yeah so we had kind of a funny day like the <laughs> Like Monday, usually you don't have a lot of trend days. Yeah. And I came into the day looking for, you know, some kind of chop for the for the first part of the week. And in the end, like NQ went up like 400 points from the low of the day in a oh, straight line. I, I had a, <laughs> I had a limit order placed in that I missed to fill by about uh, probably six ticks that it didn't hit me. Oh, and then, yeah. I think my targets were 70 points higher and it went probably three X that. <laughs> oh yeah, at least. Yeah. And so like a day, like today, there's plenty of people who got destroyed. Yeah. 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 I took a loss, you know, uh, which makes me right on the year. Luckily it's just the beginning of the second week so far. Right. But, um, like a day, like today, I'm losing like 600 bucks, uh, which I'm very happy about. Considering mm -hmm. that I came in with the like wrong bias for the for the type of day, and I couldn't adapt quickly mm -hmm. enough, so you know the goal is to survive because yes. you have so many so many difficult days all the time, things that you don't expect. Mm -hmm. Like today was kind of crazy in a way. Um, last year, obviously, we had some crazy times from like twenty two <laughs> of October to December absolutely oh, yeah. insane like <laughs> yeah. like nq went up 3000 points and the largest retracement was like 400 points right which is not seen like i have a lot of statistics like i've never seen something like this in my data before so what do you do 
Oh, just look at it on the weekly candles uh, patterns. Like it's just straight up. Like Jesus. Yeah, I think it's nine, nine or eleven uh, weekly candles that are green. I think Something you think you're right. Yeah, I remember when there it was hitting eight in a row, and that was like the the most it ever done before. And uh, yeah, so somebody I was that. talking to said it's going to probably be at least nine because there's going to be so many people out there thinking that it's not going to happen <laughs> that it's going to make it happen. Yeah, that's true. So yeah, risk management uh, has been the key lesson from that. Can you talk me through like how your risk management changed from that day to today? Yeah. So last year, I think we discussed a bit about risk management and it kind of changed since then because I was using more prop firms last year I was, as I was still building my capital. Mm-hmm. No, I'm not, I'm not using them anymore. And Any of them at all? No, barely no. Is there, well, let's I'll put a pin in that. I want to come back to that. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I'm just using for crypto, but well, well, mm-hmm. I just don't discuss about crypto stuff too much uh, on Twitter, but happy to discuss here. And um, so for the for the risk management, yeah, I'm going to use like 0.5 to like 0.25% per trade now. Yeah, that very... sounds much more reasonable than, because you were doing yeah. like 10% before, weren't you? Yeah, on prop firms, I was doing 10%, yeah. Yeah, that's uh, that seems a bit outsized. Going back yeah, and but that's, to that. <laughs> I know, but that's what allowed me to like make large withdrawal. Like I, mean, I shoot it up. Yeah, I, I did withdraw like 70k like mm-hmm. in Q1 from last year, just from prop firms. Mm-hmm. Um and this type of risk I would never take on my personal account. Right. Um, because then most of the year I traded with like five to eight micros on NQ or mm-hmm. MNQ. But before that I made like I was I was trading that crazy size on prop firms, you know. But yeah, at least, personal at least account, I could firms. not do that. Yeah. <laughs> Good. <laughs> but did your risk management change after you got funded? Like, um, I understand like trying to press it to hurry up and find out if you're going to pass. But once you actually get to the pass stage, at that point, like I always thought, the idea was to size back down and treat it more like no real capital. No, no, no. Because for me, I saw prop firms as a way to get capital quickly mm-hmm. because you don't know how much time it's going to last mm. um i think there's been like a prop firm under investigation like in q4 last year that is still not up and running again which one was that i'm trying to remember that I'm was not in future. Wasn't more. that was for cfds but i guess it's mm-hmm. going to come for future as well and so my idea was like okay let's my goal my financial goal last year was a hundred thousand dollar which i did mostly like in the first 12 three months of the year Mm-hmm. And so I was like, you know, I have enough capital now for whatever I have for my personal plan for the next few years. So I can take it a bit easier and like really work on my foundation for the next five years because I mm-hmm. want to be extremely you want to stick good around. at what I do. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And because we always have the unexpected in our job, you know, <laughs> I had to reduce the <laughs> I had to reduce my sizing on my personal account. And because I still take a lot of trades per day, mm-hmm. um, you know, if you take like five, ten trades a day, even if you risk like 0.25 or 0.5 percent, it quickly adds up in both directions, but hopefully in the in the good one. Yeah, as long as you got the stats to back it up, right? Yeah. And you, are you still doing mostly algorithmic trades uh, for uh, codes that you write, or are you incorporating more of the manual trading, like the actual point and click type stuff? I have both. Um, I still do a lot of manual trading because I love it. Mm-hmm. I have more. I have one more algo than last year, and I'm working on another one. There's uh, 
that actually like I've been working with uh, with some other people that are um, programming on on Ninja Trader as well, and mm-hmm. so talking with other people who do that like full time as well is really helpful, you know, to get some more ideas and and see how they work. And so the idea is still to keep growing the army of Argos <laughs> out there, but I still want to trade. I still want to to trade manually because I just love it, you know. I I, I get that. Longtime fans of the show should be familiar with the lender formerly known as Sue Pullen, and I'm pleased to announce that she's back, fresh off a rebrand and ready to help as Sue Mackey. Sue is a certified mortgage advisor at Fairway Independent Mortgage, an equal housing lender who focuses on finding the right product for you and your needs. She has over 20 years of experience helping thousands of homeowners. Whether it's purchasing, refinancing, or even a reverse mortgage, Sue will help. Sue's licensed in 36 states now, so reach out and let Sue Mackey it happen for you. The best way to reach her is to just give her a call at 520-977-7904 or in an email, spullen at fairwaymc.com. Fairway Independent Mortgage has an MLS number of 2289. Sue Mackey has an MLS number of 206048. That email again, spullen at fairwaymc.com. And that phone number is 520-977-7904. Shoot Sue an email and let her know she needs to update that address. Uh are you uh, are you still not joining other discords or are you uh are you open to <laughs> Yeah, to... I'm, I'm No, I'm happy to come back to be honest. Okay, I've, okay. Uh, we've, we've got a new I've... one but we've we've uh, opened things up and we've been spending a lot of time learning about programming and and uh, like using it for backtesting or developing our own studies. So having your some of your insights in there I think would be huge for our group. Uh okay. Python we've been exploring a lot with um, writing our own Python code to analyze uh ideas and Stuff that a lot of that all stemmed from the first conversation we had with you, because you kind of pointed out how easy it actually is to do it. And uh, I think we had that conversation with you. And then uh, Max from Traders Launch uh, did a a live stream with us where he actually like showed us how easy it was. And then from that moment, floodgates were open. We've been we've been uh, we've been doing a lot of stuff in there now. (laughs) And Chad GPT. Chad GPT is so that. Yeah. Without Chad GPT, I wouldn't be able to do anything. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just insane how good that is, you know. You just it's, ask him, and he does it. There, there are times where you can see his limitations, but when you have a couple of like good coders in your group, like we've got Robert and JM and uh, Max that we can lean on, you know, a few guys in our room that can help us. Like, like oh, okay, this is where the code is screwed up here. Like, <laughs> if you don't have that background or that knowledge, it can be a little daunting trying to troubleshoot using ChatGPT because it'll get into those loops where just goes back and forth between two revisions that don't work <laughs> yeah and you go crazy at the machine yeah yeah right yeah yeah i've been there as well <laughs> i mean i always have chat gpt open in one of my window and he's always helping me for all the programming all the time i use it for he writes rejection letters for me like if i got somebody that i don't want to talk to who, who asked me to to come on the show i'll, I'll say help me let this guy down gently <laughs> oh, oh god yeah, because you continued like you have you have crazy episodes. You have so many episodes. Oh, good lord! Yeah, um, I think we've just probably just recently hit a hundred guest episodes, and total episodes is well over three hundred now. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Well uh, done. Oh, thank you. I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure some of them are better than others, but <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, it you know, and it was all supposed to be like my journey, me and Dan, when we first started out, like getting better at the stock market and it's kind of just morphed into something completely different and 
it still kind of blows my mind looking back on it. Like, like you'll find this out, like the more you continue doing your podcast, you'll go back and listen to episodes you did when you first started out and then just cringe at yourself. Like, Oh, what was, why was oh, I yeah. thinking? How, oh, like, well, what am I doing with that microphone? Or oh, I can't believe I left that pause in there. <laughs> and that never changes. <laughs> that never changes. <laughs> yeah, I go I back you. six months in the past and be like, Oh God, what was I talking about here? What, what was this kick I was on I'm telling everybody about, um, I don't know, uh, not RSI or any of those stupid things, but you know what I mean? Like some stupid thing. But that's thing what that... is good. You know, when you pick up something new, Yeah. like I watched maybe like six hours of YouTube videos on podcasting in the oh, last yeah? few days. Yeah. Like okay. some guy was like, I don't know, half a million followers on, on YouTube. He's big in the podcast industry, apparently. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just love this stuff. You know, if I start something new, I'm just going to dive into it. and You want to be good at it. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's what I like to do. Yeah, no, I get that. Okay, um, I noticed in the most recent episode uh, in Trading with Retail that you talked about the importance of journaling. And what really stood out to that was that you, along with multiple other professional traders that I've talked to, uh, still prefer to actually physically write their entries in like an actual like piece of paper. Like, Oh, yeah. Why do you think that is? Like, is there something that makes it is there something that, that makes it more powerful or more useful, like the actual act of physically putting a pen to paper versus typing it on a keyboard? Well, there's a few things. Uh, number one is my parents are teacher. And mm-hmm. when I grew up, you know, uh, I had to do my homework every single night and have a nice handwriting. Otherwise, they would not be happy with my, my homework. <laughs> and so I spent a lot of time doing this. And I kind of enjoyed it, to be honest, in, uh, in the end. And for some weird reasons, I love notebook. So mm-hmm. like people always gift me notebook because I love them. And I, and I have like, I don't know, maybe 30 notebooks because all <laughs> the time I, I, I'm always with my pen and my notebook writing stuff. Oh yeah. And the other reason is that I love pens. I've, I, I'm a very easy guy. I'm not really into watches and cars and stuff like this, but I love a nice pen. I never got the watches. Oh, pens are nice. I- a watch, I always feel like a watch unbalances my arms. I, I want my wrist to be perfectly balanced. <laughs> and my last boss, Rachel, if you hear us, um, she gifted me on my last day uh, Mont Blanc mm-hmm. pen, which is very beautiful. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it's like yeah. a kind of like luxury brand in the in the pen space. And I always have it with me and I always write with, with that one. And it reminds me of my life in the corporate world that I don't want to get back mm-hmm. to it, but with a nice object that I enjoy. So it's just, you know, oh. good, uh, good way to yeah. remind me how, how lucky I am. And also, I just enjoy writing manually. One thing that I struggle with, I think, when it comes to journaling is I don't ever really go back and read it very often. Uh, how often are you like reviewing the actual notes that you're making? Quite often. First, first of all, at least like once a month for sure. So mm-hmm. the writing and also the videos of my trades. So I do clips of, you know, the most important trades or the one where I wasn't sure of what I was doing during the day. And um, usually if I think I did a mistake, like a big mistake during the day, I'm just going to review it straight away. But sometimes Mm -hmm. like medium stuff, I'm going to review like um, in the next two weeks, but I have to do it at least once a month for sure. So the last weekend of the month, if I have not done it yet, I review everything, which takes me the whole day. Yeah. Uh, but that's a good idea, though. I think that that's something that I can easily build into my schedule. 
to try to make sure that I'm actually making you because what's the point of writing all this stuff down if you're never going to actually like, you know, learn something from it? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's really good. Like I did, I did uh, um, like two months ago, maybe. Oh, uh, no, mm-hmm. last month in December, I did the, the write up of my year. So 2023 with all my findings from all the journaling session that I did over the year. And I put that on my Substack, which is like a big, like a big article. And just doing mm-hmm. this, I did a summary of my 12 summary of the year. Uh, and it's really good to see the progress and the things where you wanted to progress, but you still have not made it enough good in your system. Um, so I think number one, you have to journal. And number two, you have to review your journaling quite frequently. <laughs> That's the stuff that I think I need to close. I do a really good job of writing down a lot of stuff, but I think I could do a better job of organizing it. Uh, like all my trades, my trade log, whenever I enter a trade, I have a spot to put notes in there so I can you know, write down what I was thinking or what I was expecting or what I did well or didn't do well on that trade. But the actual going back and, and making some use of that data is not something that I've done well in the past. Uh, when it comes to, to your journaling, like what are some of the things that you think are important to actually like make notes of? That should be biggest mistakes and biggest strength. So for me, there's been a lot on the risk management side, of course, and about flip-flopping and frustration. So now I'm I'm very calm most of the time, I would say. And the rare times where I'm not, I'm just going to walk away, go do something else, mm-hmm. which was something that I couldn't do before. And if you can't do this, then you're just going to blow your account because you're frustrated. So this is... Yeah. Yeah, this is one of the most important stuff. And that's actually funny because one of the guy who was listening to the podcast put a comment on Spotify and he said, like, you sound so zen, so calm all the time. <laughs> and I was like, well, that's cool. I was happy about that compliment because yeah. it's a big part of our job is staying calm most of the time. Of course, if I have a big day, I'm happy at the end of the day. Or if I have a big red day, I'm going to be sad. I have emotions. But I'm just trying to, mm-hmm. if I feel like I have the emotions during the day when I'm trading, I'm trying to step outside of the screen to make it better. That's That's been one of my biggest, I think, aha moments was like the, the, the days where you have like an outsized loss and then like the way it affects you for the rest of the day and sometimes even like the rest of the week. Like I can experience a little bit of discomfort for like a small red day, but one that's easily, you know, uh, something that I can recover from very easily. Yeah. Or I can have the type of day where I don't want to talk to my wife. I just want to go <laughs> sit down and I just want to go crawl into bed and sleep the rest of the day away and hope to get to the tomorrow to try to do it again. <laughs> and one of those is healthy. One of them is not. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. As long as it's not too often, you know, I think that's fine. Well, and what I've been finding is, and I, I talked about this on our late, most recent episode that we recorded was that those days are happening fewer and fewer and the red amount on those days is getting less and less. That's perfect. Then. So see. if I'm actually trending in the right direction, then I know I'm at least making some progress. Yeah. Because the worst thing is having a loss that is so big that, you know, it's going to take weeks to recover. Yeah. This one or is years tough. or this, this, this is very difficult. So mm-hmm. better work on this for anyone who is listening to this. You don't want, we all have them, but it's possible to remove them. Like last year, my max loss per day was 5,000 mm-hmm. combining the prop firm and everything. So across my accounts. Right. 
Um, I did a, I did have a few five thousand dollar loss in uh, January February, but then after that, my biggest loss was like fifteen hundred or something like this, and I'm still above mm-hmm. six figures on the on the year last year. So it's a uh, yeah, <laughs> without having a single day like worse than fifteen hundred after February. So it's mm-hmm. you know it gives you some confidence that even if it's a bad day like today. I'm done like 600 bucks. Um, it's nothing crazy, you know, one good trade and it's, yeah. it's, it's good, you know? And that's really what you sh- like your red day should be one good trade away from being back to break even or positive. Like, I think that's the, yeah. that's really kind of the takeaway. You should never let yourself get to the point where you're going to need to have a monster day in order to get back to break even. <laughs> exactly. And of, <laughs> of course, not adding to the losers, you know, I mean, yeah. Statistically speaking, there is someone listening right now <laughs> that has been shorting and adding to his position today. Like, and oh. and then, like a big loss becomes like a loss that you cannot recover at all. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> so I noticed in <laughs> I noticed in one of the episodes you talked a lot about patience being one of the things that you personally still struggle with. Uh, it's something that's definitely bitten me. Uh, it's probably been one of my biggest struggles is trying to get over the the need to trade. Uh, what what sort of things did you do to, to to kind of work on that or to try to improve that aspect of your trading? Well, I'm still not great at this, to be honest. Uh, some people that I trade with uh, almost every day will laugh, but when I when I'm done for the day or when I f- I think I'm done for the day, I always tell them. Oh, I retire for the day. Mm-hmm. And then 10 minutes later, I'm like, oh, I'm long, 725. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> so I'm still not great with patience. Um, I would say that I'm doing a lot of stuff at the same time to try to keep my mind busy and um, take better trades, more quality. Mm-hmm. So what I've been doing in the last few months is just adding on top of NQ, ES, Russell, and crude oil to my charts. Okay. So then I'm, I've reduced my number of setups and I'm just trying to take the one of the three setups that I trade um, on the best quality. So crude oil or NQ or Russell or ES. Most of the time it's not ES. It's more like crude oil or NQ. But uh, right. it's been helping me. I still take like probably too much trade compared to what I would like. But um, well, that's, that's that's something that I've been playing around with is adding more assets to to my toolbox. I actually recently made the sh- uh, switch to NQ from ES, but I'm kind of wanting to put ES back on a chart, and then potentially like YM as another one to learn. Um, but c- you cut down the number of setups, but you added more assets. So the number of trades then or opportunities throughout the day is it still pretty similar to what you're getting with just one asset, multiple setups? No, it's less trades for sure. Mm-hmm. But the trade that I take or that I would take, because I've started really implementing this in December when I was on uh, poly days, I took a three-week break, but I was still watching the market almost every day. And mm-hmm. what I looked, what I saw is that the trade I would take were so much easier compared to the one I, I take on a daily basis on NQ. So like my win rate mm-hmm. is supposed to increase. Um, so it's not happening so far. Again, I'm having a red start to the year. But I'm really hopeful that that work is going to pay off in the next few weeks and smooth even more the, the equity curve. Mm-hmm. Any other ideas or tips or things that uh, 
that you'd like to recommend to people who struggle with patience? Yeah, you can. Probably no one will do this, but uh, again, I have my little notebook that no one can see here, where I write I write in real time my thoughts. Um, mm-hmm. When I'm like, oh, I want to take a trade here. Well, I'm going to write like, but I know it's outside of my framework. I'm going to write something uh, just to keep me busy and remind me that it's not great. Then I've got my programming, which is still taking me a lot of time. And I, I do spend at least two hours a day during the RTH session doing some coding, plus the Substack. And I'll admit that sometimes I just watch a YouTube video or something uh, just to you know change my <laughs> mind when there's absolutely nothing. Like the last two hours of the day today, well, I, I shorted at ADR, uh, mm-hmm. ADR plus, and then I tried a second time above. And then I was like, okay, well, it's, you know, it's not going to happen today. And there was no pullback for me to enter. So I was just giving up and watching something to keep me uh, busy and outside of the screens. <laughs> I think I took a nap because <laughs> I realized that I wasn't going to get it. I, I had one missed opportunity, like, like we mentioned earlier. And then there's maybe a couple of the like B type setups that I could have gotten long off of, but that historically speaking those are the types of trades that cause me a lot of ment- or emotional turmoil sitting through that is uh, yeah. so yeah choosing to pass on those and then just you know, i'll just go somewhere else i really like the idea though of writing down the emotions as a form of distraction like okay what am i seeing here and again that goes back to giving yourself some documentation too if i go back and review a month's worth of journal notes and i see that every time this thing happens i want to be long and it works 60 percent of the time well now I've just got myself a new setup and I've done it in a way that actually makes sense and has positive expectancy versus just trying to take it every time I feel like I want to do that. Exactly. And actually one of my setup that I have is coming from this uh, type of work. Oh, really? Yeah, because so I've always been short biased and I Mm -hmm. like shorting, you know, but obviously I'm trying to reduce that over time and I think I've done a great job in the last few months doing this but i would say so i i would always short and i would do it too early and one time i reviewed all of my trades and my notebooks and i realized that every time i would short like they would always be like a week and then Mm -hmm. it would start like to have the real move to the downside oh of course it would continue to the upside and then it's a losing trade anyway but then I realized, okay, now I, I need I know I need to wait for the week because 80% of the time, which is a, a fake number, 80% of the time, uh, there is a week right. when the setup works. Do your homework, guys. I'm not going to give you the, the good stuff. But like there is a week, like X percent <laughs> of the time when the setup works. The week is on average seven and a half points on NQ. So you know that mm-hmm. when the week happen, happens uh, and that you close, like let's say, like below half of the range before that double top, uh, you can enter here and put your stop eight points uh, above that. And then, you know, you're going to have like better odds of success on the on the long run. What do you got planned for, for the rest of the year then? Uh, we're just kind of starting out, but uh-huh. I mean, you've launched the podcast, you've got the sub stack still going, you got to have something new coming, right? I don't. To get a coaching program? Um, well, I do some like one-on-one coaching with some people mm-hmm. I've been doing since... Uh, I think August or September. Um, I I don't take any uh, any new people anymore, though. Um, but what I really want for this year is just to cross seven figures in gain. So all my focus mm. is on scaling. 
and I really want to end the year like I don't want to trade micro anymore. I really want to get to like on ES like 10, 15, 20 lots and on NQ <laughs> like 5 to 10 lots. That's really my goal. So I'm doing a lot of content at the beginning of the year, which I've actually mostly written or recorded in my break in December. Mm, nice. So I'm spending a lot of time at the screen. Like I, I coded the whole night from Saturday to Sunday. Like I coded for like, I don't know, 16 hours this weekend. I really want to grow the army of, uh, of bots mm-hmm. and level up my, my manual trading skills with like getting more comfortable with larger positions. Mm-hmm. So that's the number one thing. Number two is health, you know, as we discussed before. Yeah, yeah. Getting to the gym, getting fit, get, feeling good because um, I'm too much at the screen. So last year, I averaged like 2,700 steps per day doing mm-hmm. zero sport outside, which is extremely low and not enough. That's- but that's still that's still more than most people in America, I think, would do with the same type of men, uh, really? lifestyle. Okay, twenty seven hundred. That's still. I mean, that's about a quarter of what I was doing. Like, I think I'd average about ten thousand. I was working at a uh, data center, but that's because those things are miles long, and <laughs> you got to walk from one end to the other to get your tools. <laughs> yeah, but you see, like, I think seven thousand is the threshold for which seven thousand steps a day is the threshold mm-hmm. for which, like, you lower your. Um, like hurt, uh, disease and stuff like this, like risk by oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, it's like I don't know, like seventy-five percent less chance to have like mm-hmm. problems or something like this. So I really want to get good at this, and I actually enjoy it so far. And the rest is just, you know, being happy and not putting too much pressure on myself. Just have good time with the family and and the wife. Being happy is the uh, it's the ultimate goal, right? Absolutely. When I think when I think back to like 10, 15 years ago. I was like, what is your dream life? My dream life was waking up, doing a smoothie or whatever, spending some quality time with my wife, and then going at the gym and doing what I love. And that's exactly what I'm doing now. And so I'm trying to be more grateful and really enjoy the ride, whatever it gives. Man, I wish I could find the joy in the gym. That's one thing I cannot do. (laughs) Well, I'm going with her. I still loathe it every minute. (laughs) Oh, that's smart. Yeah, because I was like, That's a smart move. by myself, I tried many times by myself. It is not mm-hmm. working. It's the same for her. And we said, okay, let's try together. And we enjoy it so much. It's like 10 minute drive from our place. And we just get there early in the morning when there's no one at like mm-hmm. 5.30 or 6 a.m. And then it's done. Ah, wow, that's smart. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Ah, I think we're kind of getting close to the end of time here. Um you have anything else that you want to say or leave the listeners with before we wrap this up? Yeah, maybe just, uh, you know, trading is very difficult. There will, as we discussed during this podcast, there is always the unexpected that comes up. Always these crazy mm-hmm. days where the market is going to go so much higher than what you would thought and also much lower. And then the next day it can do again the same and it can do it for weeks like we saw in October last year. <laughs> so, yeah. If you want to have a trading career, if that's really your dream, and if your dream is not just the idea of being a trader, you will have to not only survive these type of days, but also make money during them. So you have to develop your framework to be able to survive any type of days. From the flash crash to the plus 7% 
to the boring zero and a half percent days that will last for months mm. at some point. You have to be bulletproof. And so that's my last word is get to work, guys. <laughs> well said. Well said. Fortunately, though, that does mean we have come to the end of our time with retail capital today. But do not worry, because as he mentioned, there are hundreds of entries in his Substack. And then you've also got the new podcast, Trade with Retail, all just sitting there waiting for you to binge on. We will be sure to include all those links in the episode description just for you guys. Uh, I will be back soon with another exciting episode. But until that day, comment, like, rate, share this episode with the world and have a great 2024. This podcast is intended for informational and educational purposes only, does not constitute financial or investment advice, and should not be construed as such. The hosts, guests, and contributors of this podcast are not licensed financial advisors, brokers, or professionals. Any trading or investment decisions made based on the content of this podcast are solely at the listener's discretion and risk. Trading and investing in financial markets carry inherent risks and past performance is not indicative of future results. Listeners should conduct their own research and seek advice from qualified financial professionals before making any financial decisions. The views, opinions, and information shared in this podcast are those of the individual contributors and do not necessarily reflect the views or policies of the podcast creators or associated organizations. Produced by China Shop Productions.